Thank you very much. The different preachers, uh, you know, from the Sunday school that you, those that were in the Sunday school class, have asked me over and over again to, uh, why don't you write that down and publish a book about your adventures and how folks you, you know, have uh, gotten saved and the protection that God has given you and so forth. And uh, I kept on telling them, I'm not going to be the one. It's going to be somebody else. And I thought it was going to be this preacher back in the East Coast. Every time I come back, he'd overbook me. Boy, I tell you, he'd, and he'd want me to add more, add more, add more. Uh, he probably has many, many hours recorded of, <laughs> of all that uh, we're going to be putting into a book. Because my daughter, she said, uh, when we came back, last furlough, she said, Dad, I think God wants me to put it down in book form. And so she's working on it, amen? amen. And so you pray for her as she tries to, because uh, as she put it, Dad, I was a young girl then. I wasn't, I wasn't that old. And so she's calling her brother saying, fill me in on the blanks here. And he'd say, well, I'll tell you this this, but you're going to have to have Dad fill you in on the blanks. <laughs> so so we, they're working on it, amen? But uh, we are, we're praying for God to show us where, where he wants us to be, where, what he wants us to do. Because uh, we've enjoyed it. We have enjoyed serving the Lord in the Philippines. Uh, the uh, difficulties, that just gave God a chance to just show himself in charge and strong. and It was wonderful, amen? We saw people get saved that uh, they weren't supposed to get saved. But hey, that was me too, wasn't it? That's probably you there also. But God is good, amen? So turn your Bibles, if you would, please. Romans chapter 12. Now, when we look at this here, what, we're, what I'm dealing with here, want to look at, is the leading of God. And, uh, you know, we, we look around, and, and uh, I've had people tell me over and over again, you know, they, I've had a, a deacon tell me, don't you know it's only the pastor's responsibility to win souls? I said, really? I thought that was, this book was for me also, you know? I didn't know it was just for my pastor. And sometimes we <clears throat> think about leadership, about leading of God, and we think, now nah, we're talking to the pastor, we're talking to the missionary. And we have to realize I'm talking to everybody. If you're born again, if you know Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you, the leading of God. Doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, teacher. Doesn't matter what your job is. Doesn't matter if you're a truck driver. Let me tell you a story. A friend of mine loved the Lord. He's a truck driver. And he was going down the road one day. The police pulled him over pulled the gun out. They said, get out of the truck. He said, what did I do wrong? Go on, get out of the truck. And they would not say. They would not say. They took him to jail. They put him in common jail with a bunch of people. 
And he's back there scratching his head saying, Lord, what, what's going on? I don't understand because they won't tell me anything. And he sat with this man who was burdened down. And he sat there and started talking to him, and he realized he needs Jesus. He goes through the plan of salvation, leads him to the Lord, tells him what he needs to do. He needs to get into a good church. Blah, blah. He's going right on down the road there. As soon as he finishes, the guy thanks him and everything. Somebody comes to the, the bars there and says, uh, sorry, we got the wrong man. No, they got the right man. They got the one that would do the talking. They knew that he was being led of God. Amen. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're a farmer. It doesn't matter who you are. God wants to lead you. And we come to this verse here, Romans 12.1. And you see it's talking to Christians. Where it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Talking to Christians here. And he says, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you've seen pictures. The priest raises that knife, comes down on that lamb. It's dead. It's a complete sacrifice. And here God is telling me, I want you to be a living sacrifice. In other words, while you're still breathing, while you're still walking on this earth, I want you to be just like that lamb where you say, Lord, you can have it all. You can have my money. You can have my family. You can have my job. Lord, just completely lead me. Lead me. And it's important, amen? It's important that God leads us. I've seen people talk about the leadership of God, the leading of God. And they... They, they, they say the strangest things as they, they, they try to explain that they're moving to this place here. I believe God wants me to go there. And I'd say to them, is there a good church there? Uh, well, no. I just said, are you sure God wants you to go there? Sometimes we, we say strange things. But I find people, well, let me just give you a couple thoughts and see what you think as a Christian. Does God ever cause you to sin in order to accomplish his will? No. <laughs> That's a pretty simple answer, isn't it, huh? Does God ever lead you contrary to the Bible? No. He says, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And if he's leading you in the paths of righteousness, he's going to lead you and it's going to be right. And I guarantee the leadership of God, the leading of God is so perfect, so wonderful. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't act like the world, look like the world, or talk like the world. Amen. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what Satan wants? He wants your mind. If he can control the mind, he knows you're useless for Jesus. If he can put thoughts, bad thoughts, wrong thinking into your mind, you're going to go the wrong direction. God won't be able to lead you. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. Amen. 
And that's what me and my wife have been praying about for our future. We want to be in the perfect will of God. We want God to lead us. Because it's been such a blessing to see God lead, see God direct. And if you're right there where God wants you, you can say the same thing. Amen. Because like I said, it's not just for the missionary. It's not just for the preacher. It's for every born-again Christian here. The perfect will of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you just guide us now. As we look, open our hearts, we look at our hearts, Lord. And we look at the leading of God in my life. Oh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that if we've been fighting it, that we'll stop fighting it, Lord. And we'll be willing to just say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. Direct me, guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn back, if you would, Romans 8, 28. <clears throat> Romans 8, 28. Leading of God, the perfect will of God. Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And I've seen people look at this verse here, look at some other Christian, and the difficulties they're going through, and they say, well, obviously they're not right with God. Not realizing that sometimes there has to be things you go through. Rough times, difficult times. The leadership of God. The leadership of God. That's what I want to look at. The perfect will of God. But as you look at this verse here, and it says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You know, this verse here, this verse here, you go back some 600 years, and there were people that died for their faith. They were burned alive. This was their verse also. They were, you ready for this? They were in the center of God's will. You say, man, that's pretty harsh. Hey, you have to get into God's word, amen? I want God to lead me. I want God to take charge. I want to be in the perfect will of God. And as this verse ends, as I look at this here, to them who are the called according to his purpose. See, sometimes we look at a verse like that, and I want to make sure it's my purpose, not God's purpose. No, you want God's purpose, amen? God's purpose. And so we see the leading of God, the perfect will of God, doing his purpose. And so here you are. <clears throat> perfect will of God and you fail a test you think man I could have done this I could have done that if I passed that test maybe God didn't want you to go down that road you're right there where you think is the leading of God and you lose your job you know what you start saying why God why God. Now you may not say it verbally, but you're thinking it. Why God? Why did I fail? Why did I lose that job? Why, why did my good friend get sick? Why did my mother have to die? 
my uh, daughter, her oldest daughter, her mother-in-law, came out to visit her and passed away while she was visiting. The, the daughter of that woman, that mom, got so bitter with her why gods, she turned against God. Oh, this she, anger, just anger. And I find it in Christians different times. That anger. Why God? Why God did they die? Hey, listen, everybody dies. If I look, you know, if I study, I think the, who knows, the oldest person in the world maybe is 140 right now. I don't know. That means everybody dies. Everybody dies. But here we, have, we want to look at the leading of God, the perfect will of God, doing His purpose. And we're confronted with a big problem, let's say. Why, God? Why did this happen to me? Why did I have to deal with this? The why, God? And I want to take a few minutes and answer the why, God. And so we had to find a big problem, obviously. And so we look back in the Old Testament, look at the children of Israel, and we find a big problem. They go down to Egypt. They're down there for almost 400 years or more. Most of the time, they're slaves. At the beginning, they brag, our man's number two, but he dies. Royalty, the kings, they die. New people come to the office. They don't know the Jews. And suddenly they're made slaves for many, many, many. Why, God? Why? Why? You look in your own life and you look at things that took place, things you've gone through, and you think, well, why, why did that happen? Why did that have to happen? They finally got out, crossed the Red Sea there. They messed up again. Forty years in the wilderness. But you know what I thought was interesting when I studied that? Forty years in the wilderness, God took care of their shoes. They didn't go bad. The clothes didn't go bad. He gave them water from a rock. He fed them from manna from the angels. He gave them angel food. I mean... He just had things fly down and just say, okay, eat me. <laughs> I mean, he took care of them, even though they weren't right with God, even though the why God was there. And that's my God. We get backslidden. We, saw, it seems our, we, we have seem to fight against God, and he still takes care of us. Isn't that amazing? But let's go ahead and go back to... Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let's pick up where this uh, four, 400 years is done. The 40 years has just finished, Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let's see if we can find an answer to why God, when I look at problems in my life, why God? <clears throat> Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. 
You know what that's called? Being observing to do. Uh, that's called obedience. Me and my wife, we were old-fashioned. When we raised our kids, we, we, we taught them to obey. Yeah, it's, I know it's old-fashioned. <laughs> but we expected them to obey. God expects us to obey. Okay? He expects us to obey. Hey, remember when he just looked back at that, those thoughts? Does God ever lead you contrary to? No, he never does. He's going to take you down a path of righteousness. He's not going to take you away from God's word. He's not going to do something contrary. Why, God? Why, God? And so first of all, we see he wants us to obey. Let's finish this verse. All the commandments which I commanded this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now that promise had been there for a long, long, long time. Many generations have been promised that land. But they need to obey. Let's look over verse 6 and look at this obedience. Deuteronomy 1.6, I mean 8.6, 8.6. It says, therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. What does God want from us? He wants us to walk in his ways. What he says, he wants us to obey. And then it says, fear. He wants us to have a holy, righteous fear of the creator of the universe. He wants us to have that fear of God. Not a fear like, ah, I'm afraid, and you go the other direction. This is a re reverence, uh, a respect, because he is the creator of the universe. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord, the Savior. Amen? And so here we see, first of all, he wants us to obey, walk in his way, and have a holy fear of God. But then we come down to verse 2, 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. You need to remember. Not only just obey, but remember. What do I need to remember? Look at verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. He says, those promises that have been passed down, passed down, passed down, those covenants, he says, I want you to realize, I want you to remember that, how I spoke to your forefathers, how I directed them, but then he says, I want you to remember those things that you say, look at me, look how strong I am, how smart I am. Look what I have done. God says, let's put it in the right perspective. God says, he did it. He gave you that ability to think. He gave that ability to do. He gave you the power. Amen. And he wants us to remember God's goodness. Remember Obey and constantly remember 
who we're talking about? God. God. The one that makes promises. <laughs> the one that gives us what we need. Amen? Hey, when they were backslidden, he gave them water from a rock. We have to remember. Amen? Remember. You know, as you, as you read back here about the situation with the children of Israel, the things they went through and all. Well, let's just look over here. Let's look at verse 7. We'll just start there for a second. Here they are now getting ready to go into the promised land. For the Lord thy God bringeth, bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths of the springs. He goes on and on. He's saying, I'm the one. And as we look at this, okay, why, God, did I go through this? Well, I wanted you to obey. Why, God, did I go through this? Because I want you to remember about me, who I am. And we look at this, why, God? He said, I am trying to prepare you for something in your life. I'm trying to prepare you. And we have to realize, hey, the children of Israel were being prepared. You, Christian, God's trying to prepare you for something. You say, I don't understand that. He wants you to obey. He wants you to walk in his ways. He wants you to remember, remember, remember that he gave you that ability. He made those promises with you. But let's look at this. He, he's prepared me for what? And as we go back to verse 2, <clears throat> we see something that I hinted at a second, a little bit ago, where people misuse Romans 8, 28. Look at this. And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. You know, sometimes God needs to break you to get to a place where he has prepared you. Sometimes God needs to take things away so he can come down to where he's prepared you. Sometimes you need to fail that test. Sometimes you need to lose that job. Sometimes you need to do, you need to get that, that, that problem, that rough road to get you where you're supposed to be. Sometimes there needs to be a death in the family to get a hold of your heart. Sometimes there has to be a sickness where you're on your back and now God can talk to you. Maybe. Maybe he's trying to prepare you and he has to humble you. Humble you. Next one it says is to prove thee. And you know I find times God will, will allow sort of like a fork in the road just to see if I will drift back towards Satan's way or if I will follow God. Let God lead me. Hey, he'll put that fork. He's going to prove you. Which way do you want to go? But you look at that. Wow, look how wide that way is. Isn't that what the Bible tries to explain? Look at this road over here. That's tough. My preacher used to tell me years ago, most likely, he said, if there's two ways to do things, the hard way is the right way. You know what? He's been right. 
Because sometimes God needs to humble you, prove you. But then he comes to this third one here. And he says, and to know what was in thine heart. He said, I thought God knew what was in my heart. Yes, but he's going to let you see what's in your heart. He's going to let your enemy see what's in your heart. He's going to let others see what's in your heart. Is that a good time or a bad time? Hey, sometimes God will allow those things to happen because he's trying to prepare you. Prepare us for what? Verse 2, how does that end? Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. He's trying to see, Christian, if you would, would obey. He's trying to see if you are usable, a usable servant. Amen. I, I remember when I was younger, and I'd see certain people that, boy, they walk with the Lord, and I'd see the blessings in them. And i think, boy, that's nice. Well, if I would start obeying, I'd probably have the blessings too. If I would remember who, who God is and what he's done in my life, then God would bless me too. It's not something that he's just looking for a one or a pe- Hear this, here. He wants to bless us, amen? He wants to bless us. He's trying to see if you're a usable servant. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to Romans. Romans 15. Romans 15. Remember I told you? I said, Lord, show me a place nobody else wants to go to. I saw those missionaries, those pastors up there in the Manila area, and I praise God for them. They were needed. But I, I prayed from my heart, Lord, show me a place nobody else wants to go to. And this is the verse he gave me, Romans 15, verse 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation and God just put that in my heart saying you need to go where somebody nobody else wants to go that's where I want you to go and that took us to eastern Samar and then eventually to Mindanao yeah when we were in Mindanao we constantly kept getting things from the the embassy Americans should not go to Mindanao stay away from Mindanao okay I live here. <laughs> you know? Hey, they did the same thing when we were on Samar. Americans are off limits. Stay away from Eastern Samar, especially. Well, the communists are too strong there. Too many people have died. Stay away from it. Once again, I'm here. I live here. I prayed and God showed me that. But I remember as we prayed about it, I found myself saying, Lord, you know, after I had that priest there writing letters to people, 
and how he would uh, try to say all kind of lies about me and sign my name. And the communists, they constantly sit in the church back there with their guns, threatening to kill me if I said the wrong thing. I said, how do you deal with this, Lord? Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, verse 16. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Hey, if you're doing anything for the Lord, it doesn't matter if you're in the USA or the Philippines or Russia, uh, if you're in Africa, it doesn't matter. You're going to feel like you're sheep in the midst of wolves sometimes. Satan's going to make sure of that. So what do you do? But look at this here. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents. Where do I get wisdom? God's word. God's word. You know, as I traveled around, had a chance to sit down with different preachers, and they tried to help me as a young man, just starting with the ministry. Lee Robinson, I, I, I just enjoyed talking to him a couple times there. But I remember going out to South Carolina, and I was there with uh, Howard Seitler. And uh, he, he was trying to help me, give me advice and things like that. And all of a sudden, he patted his Bible and said, I have read this many, 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 many times. He said, but do you know what happened this morning when I read this book, God's Word? I got something new. I got something refreshing for today. He said, never, never neglect the Bible. And that's my advice to you also. Don't neglect the Bible. Oh, that's for the preacher. That's for the missionary. That's for every born-again Christian. Here's a, in this book is a roadmap. Here's a direction on how to raise a family. Everything. How to handle a business. Everything right here in this book. Why God? Why God? I'm trying to prepare you to see if you're usable. Amen? See if you're usable. When I... Uh, said I would go where he wanted me to go. I did not know what was going to happen. I, I did not say one day, I think I will go out and get shot at today. That just happened being in the center of God's will. Okay? I did not get up and say, I think I'm going to have going to make problems for myself today. No, they just naturally came. As you serve God, they come. Satan's going to make sure of that. Sheep in the midst of wolves. Okay? They're going to happen. But don't forget who God is. Don't forget who your Savior is. Don't forget how he protects you, guides you, directs you. Amen? Is I just want just require a few things like um, obey. Obey. 
have a holy, righteous fear of God. Amen. Remember, remember, remember his covenants he makes. Remember the things you have. I gave you that. I help you with that. I'm the one. That great ball player. Boy, he brags, brags, brags. Hey, God could have given him a life without arms. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Amen. So here we come. 35 years. This last term we were on the field. I did not plan for COVID to happen. Did you? <laughs> no. I, I did not plan for lockdown to happen. Did you? Let me define lockdown. You might not know my definition of lockdown. For two years, you can't go to the airport and get on an airplane. For two years, you can't get in a boat and leave. For two years, I could not get in my private vehicle and drive to the next town because there were armed guards at the border turned me back. That's lockdown. Lockdown is because I'm older, me and my wife are older, we could not go into the stores and shop. We were the unclean the old people. We weren't allowed to walk the streets lockdown. We had to stay in our house. We were like a prisoner in our house. Lockdown. Lockdown. And then I hear people back here, they say, I know the problem. It's the politicians. It's the communists. And I tell them, no, it's not. It's sin. It started back there in the Garden of Eden. Sin. Because as I read the Bible, and I see people don't obey, people don't remember God, problems come. Whether it's sickness, whether it's diseases, whether it's loss of positions, it comes. Why would this be any different? Why would this be any different? The U.S. Embassy, they came to us, came to all the Americans. And they said, we will take you out of the country. Well, we knew that if we did, we'd lose our visa. We'd have to start all over again. We'd lose that contact we had for those years. And besides, there were many Filipino eyes watching us. And we weren't going to turn our back on them. And we turned it down. We said, no, we're going to stay with our people. I think it's time that I tell you the flip side now. Let me tell you what did happen during COVID. At all the works in Samar there, those works are mended now. Many works. <coughs> Every week, 
at many of those works, people were being saved every single week during COVID. At all those works, you hear reports over and over again, including the one that we were at, that folks were being baptized every single week. We had a couple men that we trained. And they felt like during COVID, they said, we believe God wants us to start churches. They went out and started two different churches. And everybody kept saying, you can't do that. They forgot who God was, amen. Because see, with God's help, they started two new churches during COVID. And then what was really the, the neat one is two of the couples said, I believe God wants us to go to the mission field. They did their deputation during COVID where you couldn't cross this line. You couldn't cross this line. And with prayer, with contact, with them going to a liberal mayor and so forth, doors would open. Doors would open. How did it happen? It's God. It's God. One of them got COVID so bad he almost died, got better, and next month he'll be in Thailand, him and his family. The leadership of God, being in the center of God's will. How did that man get there? He obeyed God. He remembered who God was, and he was faithful, faithful to give God all the honor, all the credit. He wants to bless you, amen? That man back on the East Coast that we talked about, Every time I'd come back, he'd schedule me, and he'd reschedule me. And uh, I had preached hours upon hours in his church because he wanted his people to hear how God protects God's man and how God can protect each one of us. Amen. At the beginning, talk about the leadership of God. I mentioned about the pastor, the, pre the missionary, the lawyer, the teacher, and I mentioned the farmer. I want to talk here at the end about my wife's grandfather. He was a farmer in upstate New York. That was, he was interested, very interested in being in the center of God's will and this leadership of God. A farmer. The people had such respect for him in the community, they, they made him the, the official judge. <laughs> Not that he was trained, it's just that he was the most honest person around. The pastor, he was the pastor's right-hand man. Ah, he just loved to see people get saved. He wanted to see people get saved. We're on deputation now. We're getting ready to go to the Philippines. We're back in the 80s, 1981, 82, 83. And we get reports that her grandfather's in the hospital, how he was very sick, and he also had, I guess, dementia or Alzheimer's. A real bad case. He didn't recognize his wife, his children, his friends, nobody. And so we walked into the, the hospital. The granddaughter... And the stranger that married into the family, 
we walked in and he looked over at us and said, Dan, do you know what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned that those people in this hospital are going to hell. They need to get saved, these doctors and nurses. I'm thinking this guy doesn't know anything. His mind was one way. It was set on Jesus. Set on Jesus. A hundred percent set on Jesus. We talked to him. We talked to him. We then got ready to leave, and I was in a hurry. And he says to me, Dan, can you tell somebody about Jesus so they can get saved today? I was in a hurry. Did I say that? <laughs> oh, I wish I had an altar that day so I could repent. Oh, I handed out tracts and I left. Three months later or so, I come back and he hadn't talked to anybody, didn't recognize anybody. And we walk in, the granddaughter and the stranger. And he looks over at us and says, Dan, did you tell somebody about Jesus here in the hospital? I said, man. You know, your sin will find you out, amen? About that time, a nurse walked in. And I have never seen such a person just sort of loaded down with burdens and everything. God brought her to us. And I started talking to her. I started telling her about Jesus. And she was so receptive. Oh, she was listening. She was interested. She wanted to get saved. And I'm going, and I get to a point where I sort of drift a little bit, chasing rabbits. My, her grandfather says, Dan, stick to the facts now. Stick to the facts. I'm being rebuked by the man that doesn't know anything. I continue witnessing. She says, Lord, come into my heart and save me. And as soon as she gets saved, he hits the table and he says, it is finished. She's going to heaven. His mind was set on heavenly things. See, that was what the, those folks didn't realize back there, the family, the friends. His mind was set on Jesus. If they just talked about Jesus, he probably would have communicated. What about you? Is your mind set on Jesus? Is God leading you? Are you in the perfect will of God? You say, well, I'm, I'm not a preacher. That farmer was in the perfect will of God. Okay? It doesn't matter what you are. God wants to use you. Lead you. Perfect will of God. Doing God's purpose. How about it? Remember the rule book? Obey. Remember that rule book? Remember. Remember who God is. He gives everything you have. How about it? Leading of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you should just now just reach down. Oh, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you should just take this message, Lord, and work in the hearts of Christians, Lord, as they 
evaluate as they check out their hearts. Oh, Lord, help them, Lord, help them. Maybe there's somebody here that if they were to die right now, they do not know if they go to heaven. Oh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for that soul that they will realize they need Jesus. The only way to heaven is Jesus. They must accept Jesus. How about it, Christian? How about it? Do you know that God has control? He's leading you. 